What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another Timmons podcast. I'm your host, Timmon. This is my podcast where I have good conversations, authentic conversations with real people, or real conversations with authentic people. It's great. Either way, you guys are in for a treat. We're about to have a great conversation. I have my friend Hope on. We talk about a bunch of different things. Um, her music past and her music future, uh, her spiritual past and her spiritual future, and everything else in between. I uh, really enjoy Hope. Um, she's a close friend of ours, and uh, I've been meaning to get her on for a while, and I'm glad that we could actually sit down and have a conversation. Every time I sit and talk to her, man, there's just more and more that I learn. And she's a wealth of information. So, yeah, you guys are going to definitely enjoy it. Hey, uh, some quick business real quick. Go check out the Twitter, Timmons Podcast on Twitter. And uh, I'm also on YouTube, Timmons Podcast on YouTube. Go like, sub, and all that fun stuff. Um, and if you want to sponsor an episode, go ahead and hit me up. Well, we got sponsorships available. So, all right. Without further ado, guys, please enjoy my conversation with Hope Bechtel. Um, and we get into some great, great topics. This is this has been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. I think we've said we were going to do this like sixteen different times, not really two or three times, and now we're here. Go team! <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. Um, thank you so much for joining, uh, being willing to come on the podcast and hang out and yeah. talk. It's going to be a good time. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. That's the be best good. part. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're drinking a little bit of um, what is this here? Cabernet. Sauvignon, mm-hmm. red blend, quarter cut with a bourbon barrel aged wine. Hey, anything bourbon barrel aged is great. Yeah. Just saying. You can't beat that. So, <laughs> um, good, good drinks, good conversation with good people. Mm-hmm. So, I'm very excited for this. So, let's start out. Uh, introduce yourself. Um, hey, everybody. My name is Hope. Um, I, for a profession, I teach music at a local middle school. I've been teaching for. Just finished year 23. Wow. Yeah, 23 years with hormonal 12-year-olds. It, yeah. I don't know how I'm doing it either, but that's all right. <laughs> but it allows me to just be kind of crazy and silly and ADHD just as bad as they are. So it's like, all right. Then they have to keep up with me. So that's good. It's yeah. good for them. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I moved to uh, Indiana in 2004. Mm. I'm originally from Northeast Ohio the Akron area, for those of you who may know where that's at, and spent all of my formative years in Akron. So, uh, College was Indiana University in Bloomington from 1995 to 99. Really? On campus at IU Bloomington, and did a degree in music education, and I minored in music performance. Beautiful campus. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. Like yeah, right by all the state parks and stuff. And yeah, it was like a twenty. Is a twenty-five minute drive from Brown County National Parks. Yeah. yeah, it was good. It was it was wonderful. I did excellent four years. I wouldn't say they're the best four years of my life, but it, yeah. they're up there. 
they were up there. It was it was one of those places where I always felt like a kind of a fish out of water that or a duck that just didn't fit because um, I was always very focused on my music um, through the high school years because I knew I wanted to be either a music educator or a professional musician. Um, my goal as a kid was to get to the level of playing that I could be in an orchestra that does recordings for movies. Cause like when I go to movies, like it's the music that grabs me yeah. more than anything else. And so I haven't gotten to that level, but I did get to do some recording with, um, for a special project in Nashville with a cousin of mine who was, uh, doing a special project and he needed another trombone player and he's like hey can you come down and help me out and was like of course uh yeah <laughs> so so yeah like that in, in some ways like my life takes really strange turns but like it's like god knows hey you can click that off your list you've done professional level recording studio sessions and i've gotten to play with some pretty hefty musicians in my day and I just shake my head going, how the heck did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, like, you know, the, my professional world is music and music education. Um, I currently am playing um, with a, a Old Crown Brass Band that is in Fort Wayne. Mm. And when people hear brass bands, they think, like, polkas and, mm-hmm. you know, rinky-dinky, and this is, mm Think just as technically advanced as, like, a classical orchestra. Okay, wow. But it's just brass instruments and percussion. Ooh. And so we play a gamut of everything from your rock and roll tunes that you would hear at a basketball game to very serious, advanced, classical style technical. pieces. Very technical, very challenging, and a lot of fun. Mm. And that's been something that's been really great for me because when I, I was kind of dabbling in the semi-pro world musically, when I was in Akron, I was just starting to kind of break into that. I was playing with like Cleveland Women's Orchestra and the Tuscarora Symphony and kind of working my way into that. But God moved me to Indiana in 04. And when I got here, I had no connections. Mm. And I'm teaching in this little country school. It's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So here, six years ago, there's a guy that connected me. He's like, hey, we need a substitute euphonium player for... Um, our Christmas program, would you be available? I said, well, if you can get me an instrument to play, yeah, because euphoniums, I, I did my so major. Say, I don't even yeah. know what that is. Okay, yeah, most people don't. They're like, yeah. you play the blah, blah, blah. Is it like a, like a trumpet but bigger? No, think of a, a tuba, the shape of a tuba, okay. but half the size. Oh, okay. Okay, but it plays the same range of notes as a trombone. Oh, okay. That mid-range, yeah. like cello, trombone, that kind of thing, but it has the valves that a tuba would have. And That's so, fun. Right, but in a brass band, the euphonium functions like a cello does in an orchestra. So you've got like open solos that are very technical and lyrical, and it's a blast. I love it. Wow. So hopefully we'll get, I mean, Allison's come a couple times with me, and That's she has it. a good time. So hopefully yeah. we'll wrangle you to come along sometime here. Yeah, she's talked a little bit about her time. And uh, the one that you went to, that she went to recently, she was saying that, hmm. It was a high school competition, but then you played what you guys were getting ready for some other, I don't know mm-hmm. if it was a competition or something, and you had those judges get to listen and then come back and t- give you notes. Mm-hmm. And she thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, she was, was next to the, near the judges as they're kind of talking into their microphones and stuff. About. I didn't get a chance to talk to Allison did, where, if she was able to hear them, what they were saying. Mm-hmm. No just the mumbling yeah Yeah, so um yeah so the most people don't know like in in england the united kingdom i believe there's somewhere like fifteen thousand 
brass bands. Wow. In just the UK. Now think Holy of the size of that cow. country. Right. Yeah. Some villages will have two or three different bands that are of different levels of difficulty. And like as you develop as a musician, you move up. You move up. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that'll take minor bus. leagues to major leagues. It, right. And over there, it's very, very cutthroat um, competitions. Yeah. So, um, so we ha- we're part of the organization called North American Brass Band. So it's Northern United, like the United States and Canada mm. competition. And so, our nationals were in Huntsville the last two years, Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. So when Allison went with me this last time, she got to hear us perform our competition level pieces. That it takes us months to prepare wow like months and months and months and months but it's worth it it's worth it i i personally really appreciate a challenge so i i don't like music that i can just sit down and play i get bored yes yeah. <laughs> so that's basically hope at the base like yeah. give me a challenge please i i don't like to be bored so yeah so the brass band thing has been has been a welcome music challenge because teaching beginners which i love doing i like t- taking kids who know absolutely zero to getting them competent to know how to read and play basic skills. And then I send them off to the high school to really let them take them to the next level. Yeah. But you can only teach twinkle, twinkle little star so many times before you're like, can, can. <laughs> pull my hair out. Yeah. Well, it's like, I'd love a little bit more of a musical challenge and that, and that's where the brass band comes in for me personally. I yeah. can be challenged with that. Scratches so. that itch. I can see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so you, that's what, what is that the instrument you play there for the bass, brass band? I play the euphonium with the brass band. Okay. Yes, yeah. I started in second second seat, um, mm-hmm. and then the gentleman that was there when I started, he he moved on to other things, and so then they bumped me over, and it's been I've been stuck ever since. Wow! But so you'll be good. playing the solos and different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's this is the first seat. That's the star of the show, basically. It basically, yeah. For that <laughs> section, yeah. I was a middle school band. Yeah, I try not to be a pre prima donna about it, but uh, no, that's really it's good. cool. It's a good time. That's yeah, I'm like, oh, this one's got a solo. Yes. <laughs> it's just fun. Yeah, some of my favorite things that we do with the band, though, musically, though, is when I get to play a duet um, with one of the coronets that sits like right across. They don't use trumpets in a brass band. They use mm. coronets, which they have a more mellow sound mm-hmm. to them. And so it's just, it's it's really sweet to be able to do that on occasion. How many are in this band? How many are you total in this in your group? Mm. Like when you perform, is there six of you? Is there twenty of you? Is there? Oh, um, I, if I'm not mistaken, and I told, I probably am, but I think there's a limit of twenty eight musicians. Okay. When we go to competition, so we take our our top twenty eight. Okay. Um, but otherwise, we have probably close to forty. Oh wow! Yeah, so oh, it's a decent wow. sized group. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we can play loud enough. You need earplugs. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so you guys are going hard. Sometimes. We try not to overdo it too much because then, you know, it loses its specialness. But there are moments where it's called bells out, where you're, you know, you're playing normally towards each other because you sit in a horseshoe shape. But yeah. there are moments where the music needs to swell to these penultimate moments. And the bells out means everybody turns and aims their bells at the audience. And just <laughs> it's this wall of sound. And I'm, <laughs> you can kind of picture in a cartoon that'd be the hair is flying backwards yeah. and you're sitting there like uh, about to take off. I love that. <laughs> good it's a good time uh, for is it for mm-hmm. no what's the crescendo or what's the like i remember never mind um <laughs> do you want a music vocabulary lesson today yes please no uh yeah, you can't it's no. i was trying to think I, I i remember um i like i said middle school band and so there was all those little is it fernando no is there a, that's fast tempo though f c i'll take it back 
Forte. Forte is, is, is strong. That's yeah, it's a strong volume, yes. right? Yes, uh, that's where I'm thinking bells out. Forte. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. So Fernando. We have, <laughs> Fernando. Yeah, three Fernandos. No. Yeah, so sometimes in the music you'll have not just one Forte, but you'll have multiple. Three and sometimes four or five. And I'm like, seriously, anything past two is obnoxious. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. Yeah. It is wild. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the What instruments do you play? Like uh, all over the place? Mm hmm. Yeah. What's your favorite instrument to play? The euphonium. Okay. Yeah. I started on, on the baritone euphonium. Like if you're an American band, you would know what a baritone is. Mm-hmm. A euphonium is similar, but it's a little bit larger and it gets a more <laughs> mellow sound. Um, so if I tell people, if you know what a baritone is, it's it's close to that. Yeah. Um, but in a brass band, a baritone and a euphonium are totally different instruments. They're different sizes. They get different sounds. Like it... Anyway, so yeah, euphonium is my favorite. I learned trombone in high school reluctantly, but there were more playing opportunities. There were more opportunities for scholarships for college. Mm. Orchestras don't hire euphonium players. They hire trombone players. Mm. So if I was looking to go the professional career, because I always knew I wanted to teach, but I also wanted to give myself the option to Mm -hmm. perform if I could. And that's all like... Yeah, muscle memory in a way, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, some of it is. Yeah, yeah, I guess Mm -hmm. the same with the with the fingers as well. But it's a lot more physical, I I assume. Yeah, it's just it's different. Yeah, it is different. Even though they play, it uses the same size mouthpiece and Mm -hmm. and all of that, but it it's a different experience. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. I I get hired out every now and again to play my trombone with different for different things in the area, and uh, I'm like, I would have. I would have just rather played my euphonium on all of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You don't think it's different, but it really is different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you, you're used to that one, your euphonium, the mm-hmm. technical pieces of it, you mm-hmm. probably a higher skill there. So you yeah. can do more complex mm-hmm. as opposed to the trombone where you, do you practice at home a lot? Um, actually, I typically practice at school in my office, okay. which is interesting. I, I typically practice either like in my lunch break or um, after the buses are dismissed and kids are gone and mm. like nobody's going to bother me and knock on my office door. <laughs> you just get just, it. Yeah, and... right. And so like I have a really good speaker sound system in my office and I'll get recordings of the pieces that we're working on and I can, as I'm working on the technical passages, it helps me to like hear what the instrumentation is doing. To help me understand where you fit, where I'm going with my melody lines. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my, uh, since we're talking music side of things, uh, one of my greatest inspirations as far as um, just as a musician is um, a conductor named Benjamin Zander. Okay. He was the head conductor of the London Symphony for a really long time, and then now he's in Boston. Oh, wow. And he's just this kind of wacky. Um, kind of goofy personality he's he's just fun and loves life um but he does these things called interpretation master classes mm. so if you go for a master class you've prepared this piece technically you're going to stand on stage the master teacher is going to be in front of you the master performer and you play the best you can and then they give you notes and then you have to fix things and there's always an audience watching and listening to you wow and that's always about like technically how to get better an interpretation master class is about, okay, how do we want to shape this phrase? Where is where is the music leading? What story are you telling? What emotion are you trying to convey through the notes that you wouldn't be able to tell people this is what's going on? And he always comes out of left field with things, and it's like, 
he'll tell you one or two things and then the, he's like, okay, now play it again with those two pieces of information and explodes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. There's, um, what got me introduced to him, he actually had, he did a Ted talk. Um, and I don't remember the title of it. I'll have to get it. You can probably link it to the podcast later. It was really good. And he was talking about, you know, everybody loves classical music. They just don't know it yet. Mm. <laughs> it's like, what if everybody actually loves classical music? They just don't understand what they're listening to. And two, sometimes we're bored and falling asleep when we listen to stuff. And it's not actually the audience's fault. It's the musician's fault mm. because they're, they're so involved in the technical part that they're forgetting to actually make music. I just had a, that is literally pastors at sometimes. I mean, you know I mean? that's I, I, life. Yeah, I just literally right. clicked. Right. You know, like reading your Bible. It isn't boring. But then sometimes people are so in the technical. Getting all the nitty gritty details and like, oh, this is the sub word of this huge. Greek translation. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. oh, man, crap. <laughs> yeah. I love Jesus. I promise I do. Yeah. Like, yeah. And what if, if people in the congregation are falling asleep? Mm-hmm. When they actually do want to know the depth of scripture, yeah. and it's not their fault. It's how it's being presented. Isn't that wild? It's wild. Oh, that's so good. That's- and that's an interesting transition because the other side of, and as Tim and well knows, like my main passion is Jesus mm-hmm. and the scriptures and, and conveying those things to people. And so I'm a little quirky because I, I don't approach study of scripture like most people. And that's not good or bad. It's just different. And because I'm a musician, when I was in college, we had to learn how to do score study analysis of like Beethoven symphonies, 45 minutes worth of music to just sit and listen to. Do you know how long the score is? How many notes are on the page? Wow. If you're getting nitty gritty, you're not going to get anywhere. So you have to kind of step back and see the blueprint. Hmm. Okay, this thing is divided into four movements or four major sections. What are the major melodies and how do those melodies flow? And wait, that melody just reappeared in the last movement that was presented in the first movement, but it's in the flutes now and not the violins. And oh, wait, he flipped it backwards. Oh, wow. And then he took the backwards and flipped it upside down and put it in the French horns. Like, that's cool. Yeah. And so looking for those melodic things, the scriptures are actually designed like that too, that there are themes and melodies throughout all of scripture that start all the way in Genesis and run their way all the way through to Revelation. And so for me, when I'm unpacking the scriptures, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Where are the melodic themes? What are the big sections? What, how do these things connect? That's an adventure. That's exciting to just kind of figure that stuff out. Yeah. So. Oh, that's cool. It's wild. It's wild. And so it's crazy because I can have conversations with people who know those scriptures well. And like the, this happened recently, I was having a conversation with two people who know their Bibles really well, and they've been in full-time ministry for nearly 20 years. And within five minutes, just they're like, oh, you did some Bible study today. What were you learning? And I'm like, mm, yeah, okay. I had them overwhelmed in five minutes. Hmm. And it wasn't because they weren't smart, and it wasn't because they weren't educated. But the big picture that I was giving them was like, oh. <laughs> wow. Right. Right. Yeah. So. That makes it so much more depthful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And the, it allows you to just really chew on things for a while and to see like this connects over here to this. Right. 
So what really, really, like the foundation for me was in eighth grade, because I went to a Christian junior high high school. My dad was a teacher in the school system, and so I was able to attend. And it was a college prep education, so it was really solid academically. But also we had Bible classes as a, as a mandatory thing throughout our entire time. So I got a really solid teaching of, of God's Word, you know, six years. Um, but in eighth grade, I had my dad as my teacher. Right. And if you've heard Jane M's talk, I mean, <laughs> those were conversations I was having on the regular with my dad and my dad's best friend at the time, um, who's now passed away. But so like Nephilim and pre-flood history and like all of that stuff, like was part of the regular conversation for me growing up as a kid. So to hear Jay go off on all that stuff, I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I think it rattles him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't, but I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, but but unlike most people, uh, yeah. I've I learned that in eighth grade. Come on, yeah, give me come on. New. Where, where's the new stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there were some really key things that because my dad also is a musician and um, has all the way up through a doctorate in wind conducting score study, except for the dissertation. So my dad's a very intelligent man, and he he was went at this Christian school in order for him to have a full schedule to teach, so he could be full time. They're like, um, we can give you study halls or we can give you Bible classes. What would you prefer? And he's like, just give me the study halls because then I can work on my score study and I can work on like other things while I'm babysitting kids and study hall. They got a schedule and of course they gave him Bible classes. And he's mm. like, oh. <laughs> and uh, but then you know, then someone actually he'll tell the story that someone actually gave him the advice, well just teach the Bible class as badly as you possibly can. And then they'll just give the Bible classes to somebody else. Oh, my word. And my dad was like, uh, <clears throat> That's where my millstone gets put around my neck and I get thrown into the depths if you teach these little ones. Well, and know. that's where Jesus, my, my dad was like, I, <clears throat> I have to stand before Jesus someday and give yeah. an account for that. Like, I cannot intentionally teach kids poorly yeah. God's word. Like, that's a hard no. Yeah. And not to mention a lack of integrity. Yeah. And so he taught the Bible classes and he did it grumbling and grumbling and whatever. And we're like, oh, okay, but he's, you know, whatever. And my mom, she's one of the sweetest, gentlest people you'd ever meet. And she, and they tell the story repeatedly when I was younger. And so she, dad's like, oh, she's like, would you just knock it off? Don't you get it that when you explain things in the Bible, people actually understand you? Mm. And that's not normal. He was like, what? He had no clue. She says, you're actually gifted at this. So stop complaining. God has gifted you yeah. to help people learn. And he's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> My mom, we love to call it the well-duh ministry because mom sees things and it's as clear as day to her. And she's like, well, duh, it's this. right? And she says it so nicely. She's much yeah. more sweet than I am. Yeah. And she just has those. I'm like, mom, that was a well-duh moment. Oh, yeah. So dad had that well done moment. And once he realized that and kind of was like, okay, came into agreement with the Lord that that was something that not only was he called to do, but was gifted to do. Um, yeah. So I grew up in that kind of environment where like dad was constantly talking about the scriptures and like what he's learning and growing in and all those kinds of things. So it was a really positive atmosphere for me. Yeah. And uh, having him as my teacher in eighth grade, he had a really foundational thing that we had to learn. He, he designed um, a timeline of the Bible mm. that is Old Testament, New Testament, just just your major bullet points yeah. on one piece of paper on the front. Wow. 
and you had to memorize it. That was your final exam. Yeah. And the cool thing was like there were minimal things that you had to put on there, but like every extra detail you got on on there was an extra point. I think I got like 430% on the final exam because <laughs> I'm like literally writing everything down that I could could remember. But and it wasn't because I was trying to show off. I was just excited like this, this stuff awful. this makes sense because one of the things people don't know about their Bibles is that it's not 100% in chronological order. They think start in Genesis and read straight through. It's all in order and it's not. No. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, Job's the, like in the middle and that's the one right. of the earliest. It's one of the earliest books, right? Yeah. Well, why is that? Do you know? Why is it there? No, why is it not in chronological order? I mean, that I would have, make sense. I <laughs> I don't know. I can assume. I think it's just people decided to put how they wanted to. How how do a lot of things get put into the Bible? Mm. I don't know. Well, that's a long conversation some other time. But when the scriptures were initially written down, they were on these huge scrolls. Oh, okay. And one one scroll was like, from me to you, was the top to bottom, and unrolled a little bit at a time. Yeah. And so those scrolls were tucked in, and they were organized by category. Oh. It's a library. Your Bible is a library. Most people don't know it's a library. So it's organized by category. It's my problem. Right. So you've got your first five books, which is the early history yeah, Torah. right up through yeah the Torah or Pentateuch whichever you prefer. I usually prefer Torah, yeah. um, and then you've got your your wisdom poetry, mm. your Psalms for worship, your big prophets, your major prophets. Why not because they're more important, but because their scrolls are so massive they needed their own special cabinets. Mm. And then you had your minor prophets again, not because they're less important, but their scrolls were smaller, and so they were categorized together. And so you've got order by subject. New Testament. Similar, you've got your Jesus history, the Gospels, the history of the church in the book of Acts. You've got your theological teachings, the letters, the letters, and then you've got the revelation, yeah, which is your end times eschatology teaching. So, if you understand it's organized by topic, that helps. Mm. And so, when you have this timeline in front of you, it's kind of like your map key. Yeah. So you're like reading along like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, so I'm reading about King David. Where is he at compared to like Noah? Yeah. Yeah. Thousands of years apart, actually. Right. 1,500 years apart, I think, if I'm remembering right. So, yeah. And so having having that memorized, as I've been learning the scriptures, that's kind of like, oh, okay. put it all together. Yeah, it just helps yeah. you sort where you're at. A couple so. of days ago, I just got done reading, finished my last chapter of uh, Chronological Bible. So I read it mm. in two and a half years. It took me two and a half years to, mm. but from start to finish, I, I, it was really fascinating because uh, both in Old Testament and New Testament, mm. there's stuff that made way more sense. I was reading it chronological, like I'm reading in you know the Chronicles, and then I'm learning about David or Sam, I'm in the Samuel's, and then there's Psalms interspersed throughout that, and there's and the the Second Chronicles. There's the you know prophets interspersed, and so you get to see what's happening happening. Boom, and then the the writings the actual, that go with that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it was very good. Same with Acts. Like I was reading Acts, and they were putting the letters in as Paul is going from this place. He gets down here, and then he writes this next letter to these people, and you're like, oh, he's right here while he's writing this letter. Oh, he's in prison when he's writing this letter here. It made way more sense because it was all tied together, mm-hmm. and so. And, but I will say it was really hard because. Um, uh, I do a camp that I help out with and now work for, and they do uh, Bible trails. 
Mm-hmm. Where you hold it and then you find. <laughs> I could never find <laughs> your sword drills. Yeah, yeah, my sword drill. I could oh, never man. find where Psalms at. I don't know. It could be right here and it could be over there. You know. So. <laughs> well, a little helpful hint: if you actually have a physical Bible in your hands, if you put it exactly and open it exactly in the middle, it's usually Isaiah. Oh, okay. And just go to the left a little bit, and you'll yeah. find the Psalms. That's good. Enough. Yeah. Because <laughs> Isaiah is one of the big, pro- big prophets, and so Psalms is just to the left just of that. The t- yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. It's just when it's in chronological, it's like, oh, well, yeah, well, then you're just yeah, a hot that's, mess. That's, that's just messed your brain all up. I know, yeah that's, a, <laughs> yeah. that's the one thing that was tough for. It was not good for sword drills. So. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Just got to practice. Well, the, well, I remember like little kid, Awana's classes. Um, there was a Bible song that we learned all the Bible books, the Bible in order, yeah. but it's been a very long time since I've known that song. Could not begin to tell you how it goes. Yeah. I mean, 66 of them, that's a lot to remember in order. Yeah, I'm just as terrible at the 50 Nifty United States song, too. So it's a good reason I don't teach elementary music. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. so I'm trying to think. We met at church, I think, mm-hmm. is where we connected. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you got connected with our church? Um, yeah. I think it goes back into your story about how you, you know, coming here in 2004 and then oh, man. from there. But Well, yeah, the... Well, there are a couple of major things as far as my spiritual journey. So I talked about, you know, attending the Christian school, um, middle school, high school, got a really solid education. Um, And then the church I was raised in was independent Baptist. Again, really solid teaching, really, you know, it was a loving environment, really solid. Um, And then in college, late college, I got introduced to the Holy Spirit. Independent Baptist is not spirit filled at all. That's what I was thinking immediately mm. when you said that. No, um, John Wimber used to like to, to to joke about, you know, those are the kind of denominations that have the Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures as yeah. your trinity. Yeah. Right? And Holy Spirit's like, you know. Yeah. They, they acknowledge Holy Spirit, but but is like is what seals you for salvation and the Holy Spirit is like your conscience that let you know like when you're being morally incorrect, which those are correct, but... That is certainly not the whole story. Hmm. And um, there was a woman I got introduced to um, towards the end of my college career that introduced me to the Holy Spirit. And like she calls your prayer space, your holy imagination says like one of the unique things about being a human being is you have an imagination. And, you know, especially in certain church circles, you're taught to be very afraid of your imagination because that's where your sinful thinking is all about. So you got to shut that down. Wow. I'm not joking. Oof. And she's like, no, holy, your imagination is a special thing that God has given you and is a place that you can actually meet with him. Yeah. And so one of the things she did was she prayed with me about our, my imagination. We just sanctified it to the Lord and dedicated it to that. And then she would pray with me. He says, you're not, when we pray, I'm praying over you. You just sit and receive, which that was a totally bizarre new idea for me to just sit and receive somebody praying for me. Um, Because in the past, it was people praying about you. Mm, Well, a lot, not, I don't want to sound judgmental, but a lot of prayer in my church setting growing up was like lecturing Hmm. or like reading scripture or like telling God his own, um, it was, yeah, it was like preaching and not really having a conversation. Mm. And she introduced me to how to, so it's just a lot of people, they, when they pray, they do all the talking. And wonder why it feels one-sided. Yeah. 
most prayers should start with being silent and asking the Lord what he wants to say. But people don't know how to listen. They don't know how to be quiet. And a lot of times they're afraid to be quiet. Right? Um, and so just this whole idea that, like, in my imagination, there's a special place that can be dedicated to, like, just meeting with the Lord, and I could see Jesus in that space. And I was like, well, what if I'm making it up? She says, so what if you are? Hmm. You're showing the Lord you want to meet with him. What's wrong with that? I'm like, oh. Wow, what a flip that script moment right there. Oh, totally. And it went from feeling like I know in my head that I can trust that the scriptures say God hears my prayers. But it would always feel like I'm throwing them up to the ceiling and just and like I trust that they're getting through. Two, my prayer life went into IMAX full color holodeck mm-hmm. <laughs> experience like whoa, I can see the Lord, I can feel his presence, I can hear him talking to me. And I, and because I knew the scripture well enough, I could, I could run past, because Philippians 4 talks about whatever's true, pure, beautiful, noble, all these things, dwell in those things, and the God of peace will be with you. So I knew God's not going to contradict anything in scripture, and, and he didn't, of course. So that was my way of knowing, okay, how can I tell if I'm making it up versus is this actually the Lord talking to me? And so that, that's where my Holy Spirit journey began. Um, and then in 2002, got introduced to a Holy Spirit-filled Episcopal church. Oh, what? <laughs> Wild. And it flipped my family out. They thought I was going Catholic. And, and then this crazy charismatic stuff. They thought I was losing my mind or just, like, going off the deep end. And I'm like, no, I... I got a taste of this Holy Spirit stuff, and I got to be obedient to where God is leading me. Jesus hasn't gone anywhere, but I got to go this direction. And it 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 was it was a struggle for a while. Mm. Um, my parents are totally on board with it now. Um, and at one point, my dad's like, you know, I just I can't argue with the fruit I'm seeing of how much you're growing in your faith and growing in your relationship with God and the healing I'm seeing coming from you. Like you're you're blossoming in this situation. I can't argue with that. And mm. so eventually got to a point where he could bless that. And just as that was getting going really well, 2004, I was um, let go from my job at the school system I was in in Ohio because they the district was struggling financially, and I was the youngest music teacher. So, of course, You're right. you know, yeah, yeah, last one in, first one out situation. And the only job I could find, because there was an abundance of teachers in the early 2000s, I was... Um, I, the only job I could find was here, wow. Northeast Indiana. And I've been at that school since 2004, which wow. is crazy. Yeah. I didn't want to be there past a year, let me tell you. Um, but the Lord has done a lot. And so I went from like really vibing in a Holy Spirit-filled church to I couldn't find a Holy Spirit-filled anything here hmm. for most of the last 19 years. Wow. Like I was just on my own, which was really hard. Wow. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll come back to that. So in the midst of all of the Holy Spirit stuff going on and getting a part of this charismatic, Holy Spirit-filled Episcopal, learning about deliverance, learning about inner healing, learning about lay counseling and all these really cool things, I went on my very first trip to Israel. Changed my life. Just was like, again, it took the reading of scripture that I had done and it put that in living color. Mm. And now I could see like how the geography informed what events happened, where, why, 
the fact that there were several events that would happen in the same place, just hundreds or sometimes even a thousand years apart, but they were all connected. And I'm going, what? <laughs> what? Broke that time and made that one page timeline. Yes. Kind of physical. Uh, yes. And so it was like my world just went, whoa. And so, you know, learning about Holy Spirit, the Bible in living color, huge stuff happening. And just, and you can't separate the two because like, that was, that was the place where I just experienced the Lord in a way where, um, like we would go to the different places and read, sorry, bump the microphone. No worries. Um, we would read the Bible verses of the, of the things that happened in the places we were at, right? And the, the guide would hand the Bible to different people. And we had been on the tour at least 10 days. I don't remember exactly how long, but we had been with it for a while. And I just remember that day we were going into Jerusalem. We were going to the old city. We were doing the Via Della Rosa, which is like retracing all the, the places that Jesus went through the night he was arrested, um, but right before he was crucified. Okay. And I knew that, and I woke up that, smor that morning just feeling really irritable and just, mm, like, upset, frustrated, just, I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? I have no reason to be feeling this way. Like, I'm, I literally slept just fine, had a good breakfast, nobody made me mad. Like, yeah, yeah there's no reason for me to feel this way. And I was like, oh. And my good buddy Jim... Um, he's like one of my big brothers. I just love him to death. He took one look at me as he got on the bus and he took his earbuds out and put them in my ears and says, here, push play. And I was like, okay. Cause I was just trying to kind of just clear my own headspace, try to get my head and heart in the right place before we were heading into our day. And he just, he's constantly listening to music and I'm almost never listening to music, which is crazy. Cause I'm yeah. a musician. And yeah. I just, anyway, that's a whole other thing. And, um, for those of you who know, like old school Christian R and B, it was um, the song Shackles by Mary Mary, yeah. where the words talk about, he took the shackles off my feet so I could praise him. Mm. And I just want to praise him. And he, so just, just about, he has set me free and he has redeemed me and, and I just, now I can dance. And I was just like, whoa. Well, to go back a couple of steps, the day before we were in the Sea of Galilee and the lady who was the host of the tour, who was one of my life mentors um was like hey anybody that wants to get baptized in the jordan river just let me know blah 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 and she asked me like hey you're gonna get baptized in the jordan tomorrow like this was like right right before we were in jerusalem and i'm like no being a good baptist i knew like hey one dip is all you need baby you right. don't need to get re-dipped that's just whatever and i was like no i don't need to do that i was i was baptized when i was 13 oh, no i was 10 i was 10 <laughs> anyway sorry Sorry for those of you who are just trying to keep up with what we're talking no, about. Great. I'm here with it. Okay, cool. That's all that matters. True, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, cause this, this ties together later, so yeah. just be patient. So, um, I was like, no, nah, I don't need that. And she just, she stopped, put her finger in my face and says, sounds like someone needs to go over and sit down and ask Jesus what the, he wants them to do. Ooh. And I was like, and she is one of the nicest, bubbly, fun, silly, giggly people you'd ever meet. So for her to just be like stern and mama in my bear. face, yeah. oh, she was mama bear all over it. And I was like, fine. And I was not happy. <laughs> I had a really crappy attitude. So I went over and sat on the bench and folded my arms. I'm like, fine, what do you want me to do? He's like, well, you know. My son, who was perfect, 
got baptized so that he could be inducted into stepping into ministry. Mm. I'd like to do the same with you. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can do that. I can get wet for that. Cause it's not like you're asking me to do something hard. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I, I think I just needed to know why it was necessary. I just yeah. didn't want to do it just to be like, have this holy yeah. religious emotional experience. Like yeah. for it to be meaningful emotional for me. Manipulation. You want it to be legit. Right. Yeah. I had to know what the reason was, and I, I followed through with the baptism. And what I didn't know in the moment, later I came to understand, that for me to get baptized the second time ended up being like my living sacrifice commitment to the Lord. Hmm. And so one of the things people don't understand about, there are, there are five major types of of burnt offerings that were offered in the temple. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into that because we'll be here all night. Uh, grain Some other offering, time. Yeah, grain, yeah. The... grain, yeah, burnt sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a special category of sacrifices that can be offered that are voluntary. Like you don't have to do them. Mm -hmm. So, but they're offered out of thanksgiving for everything God has done for you, how He's kept you safe, how He constantly provides for you, how He he his love over you and out of thanks thankfulness you just offer what you can afford the interesting thing about a living sacrifice that's unique any sacrifice can be offered by just your your average priest that's serving in the temple right except the living sacrifice it's unique when a living sacrifice is offered and regular sacrifices like the pelt is kept by the family. Once the meat is cooked on the fire, there's a portion given to the priesthood yeah. as a as payment for the work. Out. Right, Randall right. Pick it out or something. Yeah. Right, and then the rest you take it home as a family, and that's eat, eaten as a meal. Mm. Like you have your your grilled meat for dinner that night, and if it's too big, you invite your community to join you, and it's it's a way to minister to people who are less fortunate than you as well. Mm. God really knows what He's doing as far as caring for the community, but the living sacrifice is only able to be offered by the high priest by himself and every single part of the animal, every hair on its head is burned until it's ash. Yeah. Right. And so the high priest has a special long hole with a hook and he just stands over it and just keeps any of it from getting off. He can't crawl off the fire once it started, right? It's, it's got to stay and it's burnt to ash. Hmm. And so when Paul is encouraging us to make our lives a living sacrifice, he is saying, out of thankfulness for everything that God has done for you, offer all of who you are now. Don't wait. Don't wait and to just say, okay, boom, I'm done. I've got my fire insurance. Thanks, God, for that. Right. But I'm going to live my life on my own terms. We have a choice right now of how much of our life we can dedicate to him and offer to him, give it back. And so for me, that second baptism was really me laying down my life and saying, okay, God, I, I've understood how much, like, I've gotten my life this far, but I don't really know what's next. To just lay it down and say, okay, you just take it and go. Hmm. Um, and it was, there was a clear moment. So that baptism happened the day before this whole, I'm waking up feeling all out of sorts. Yeah. The Mary Mary shackles. shackles. Right. So to kind of bring it, the story back together. Yeah. So we're going to the different stations. They're reading all the things, you know, Pontius Pilate, the false trials. And we're, uh, meanwhile, this is a living, breathing city. You've got the old, the old city shooks with, you know, the merchants and the spices and the noise and the people and the bustling and the shoving. And so you really get an idea that this is what Jesus would have been going through. And we get to this church called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Now, mind you, it's lots of different denominations like Greek Orthodox and Arminian and like 
that their traditions have a lot of iconography and incense burning and which none of that bothers me. I actually find it fascinating how their forms of worship are so meaningful to them. But so we get into this dark corner <laughs> cave and we, we read cause that's one of the most likely, there's a couple of likely spots where the crucifixion actually happened. This is one of the likely spots. And mm-hmm. so we're standing like, okay, we know it's going to be within a certain amount of parameter. Right. But whether that's the exact spot, we just can't know, but yeah. we're close. So I we don't know. Right. I th- yeah. I mean, because we're supposed to worship Jesus, not the location. Right. And I think that's good. Yeah. So anyway, we're standing there and it was at that moment that the, the guide for the first time, the whole tour. And mind you, we're going to four and five different sites a day and reading two or three scriptures at every site. Like some people have been asked two or three times to read and I hadn't been asked at all. And here he is. He's handing me the scriptures at this spot. Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay. And I read the scriptures at that spot that say, it's finished, and today you'll be with me in paradise. And I lost it. I just started weeping uncontrollably. And at that point in my life, it took tremendous exhaustion or pain to cause me to cry. I mean, that's no longer the case. That's something God has healed in my life. But in that moment... For me to just be like doubled over and weeping uncontrollably was not normal. Right. My parents were kind of freaking out, like, what in the world is going on? Like, are you okay? I'm like, I tried to make myself stop crying and I could not. Like, it was just. And I tried to describe it later. Like, it was like God took his finger and pierced my heart. And it was like, I just came from this head knowledge of understanding what Jesus went through and understanding all these things. And it just went down in my spirit. And I understood the pain and what and like I just knew it at a different level mm-hmm. and I was a mixture of like so thankful and so grieved that he had to go through that but he was willing to like it just I was just overwhelmed and it and I was that was like the penultimate moment in my life where I've never been the same wow and that was your light bulb that was the yeah and things turned on after. right and you can clearly see I can clearly see when I look back like key things that God was building in to bring me to that moment you know learning about the Jewish culture learning about you know newsflash for those who aren't aware uh, Jesus was Jewish (laughs) he he was a part of a Jewish family he grew up in Jewish culture and community he ministered to the Jewish people I mean there were some non-Jewish but blonde hair blue eyed I know crazy super ripped fellow yeah he was brown he wasn't white (laughs) What in the world? Right. And so like just all of these things. So the Holy Spirit stuff, the Jewish roots stuff, the being in the land, the Lord healing my heart about some really deep things all kind of converge there. And then 18 months later, he brings me out here to like basically be totally on my own. That was hard. Okay. So life hasn't been all hard. So there was, you know, like I got involved with a church eventually that um, had a really popping youth group at, at that time. And I was given a lot of freedom to meet and interact with teenagers and to, to develop Bible curriculum. Excuse me. Yeah. So all those things were really great. Um, but the Holy spirit thing was missing. Like I could operate in that in like my little Bible studies and like privately in my home, but I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. Basically it was just teaching girls how to, learn how to pray in their holy imagination, mm. which was great, you know, and teaching them what I know in the scripture as I, as I'm learning. But, um, for me that things took a massive change, uh, COVID 
is how I know you. <laughs> and I have to be careful how who I say this to, but I mean, as awful as COVID was and as horrible and hard it was for me, COVID was the best thing that ever happened in my life. Mm. Truly. I mean that. Um, was it easy? No. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I went from, you know, two to 300 middle schoolers every day, 40 to 60 hours to a single person living by themselves. Not even, I don't have any pets at all. And like I had prayed about, well, should I just, because I saw this is going to be longer than a week or two. Like maybe I should just pack some bags and just move back to Ohio and be around, at least be around my parents. And um, God was like, no, actually, I, I need you to stay. And I was like, you want what? You want what? Like, click, click, click. Is this thing on? <laughs> Am I hearing right? Shaking that. And I sat with that for a couple of days, but the Lord was like, you need to, I need you. He didn't say you need to. I need you to stay. I'm like, I'm an extrovert. 48 hours with no contact with another people. Like, I start having anxiety. I struggle. Yeah. Like, depression and anxiety was like, Lord, you can, you know that. It's a problem. Like, what? Are you, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay. So, yeah. Well, and the church I was attending at the time, you know, just like everybody else, they were trying to figure it out. They were doing like a little worship video for five or seven minutes. And then there was like a little sermon video for, you know, five or six minutes. And I was like, this is, I was struggling big. Mm -hmm. And I have a very dear friend. Um, her name is Cindy. And I was just expressing to her, like, I am struggling. She's like, well, I've, I'm a part of this little church that we're doing Zoom meetings. I'm sure our pastor wouldn't have a problem with you just jumping on that's fine like she gave me the code and yeah of course that was the time of the church was called the movement and that's how I got connected and because they were small enough the earliest openings up I could jump in on that so I mean, we went to like Sunday morning services there was yeah. a Sunday night bible study we zoomed for a little bit but then we went to full services yeah yeah I think it was like maybe a couple months of zooming then in yeah I mean it was as soon as we could get together in person and I went from being alone quite a lot to, you know, Sunday morning, two small groups and a Monday night Bible study. And I got very connected very quickly. But the thing about being a part of that congregation was being open to Holy Spirit stuff in much bigger ways. Like I got introduced to John Paul Jackson. I didn't, I'd never heard of that person's name before mm -hmm. to like just totally absorbing a lot of his teaching. So good. Yeah. And then John Thomas and actually getting to meet John Thomas and then Michael French and mm -hmm. Patria and just, um, I think in the last three years, I probably have read at least 40 books on Holy Spirit stuff. Yeah. I mean, I just was like, I put one down and grabbed the next one and just was voraciously reading. Um, just really, it was, um, the thing that really opened my eyes, we did a, we did a teaching on what's called the fivefold ministry. Like evangelicals don't know anything about a fivefold ministry. They only know of three right. that they acknowledge. And you'll find this in um, Ephesians 4, verse 11, where God says, I provide pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, and prophets. Mm -hmm. Well, because evangelicals are cessationists in their, in their thinking, they think, well, now that we have the written scriptures, there's no need for apostles or prophets. And so they teach that there's only three. Well, and as a woman in a, in the evangelical situation, I'm only eligible 
to be a missionary or a teacher. And if I'm going to be a teacher, then I'm eligible to teach women and children up till maybe high school if you're pushing it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but I, but God has other plans for me than that. And that's okay. Like I, I don't hold any resentment over that. Just, so I was introduced to, Oh no, actually, you know, what is an apostle? What is a prophet? And for those who are unfamiliar, basically each office is driven by a key question, the teacher moment. I am a teacher, <laughs> by the way. Um, but I, I find tell. that I most people have like of the five offices. Now, if you're actually operating in the office of one of these five, like you're a person who carries spiritual authority at a level that you are having conferences with leaders of nations mm-hmm. and your words and counsel is shaping decisions they're making. So unless you're a person who's doing that, you are not the op- prophet. The, uh, prophet. Like the you're operating teacher. in the gifting of, mm-hmm. right? Most people have a dominant gifting and then they usually have a secondary that's, that's a buddy. And for me, I operated with the understanding that my main gifting is teaching because I'm naturally gifted. It's what I do. I, I love the scriptures. I love talking to people about it. The paradigm shift for me was, oh, wait a minute, that's actually not your main gifting. Mm. What? <laughs> Which is why I've been reading so much because it was like all of a sudden things started to make sense. That things I'd been experiencing or that was labeled as you're very intuitive. It was like, no, actually Holy Spirit is speaking through you or wow, you just seem to have a lot of wisdom. No, no, Holy Spirit has a lot of wisdom and he's just speaking through me. Does that make sense? And so for me, it was like, oh, wow. So, so the five offices, for those of you who are listening that may not know. So like a teacher is driven by the question, do people know truth? Because how can they live righteously if they don't know truth? Your dad is yeah. very much in that category. I think 100%. that's predominantly his main gifting. And that's great. I bless that. Um, pastors or shepherds are driven by the question, are people's needs being met? Mm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see that in you a lot, actually. Um, and it's funny because uh, I've known a couple of shepherds in my life and they're, they're like the shepherd dog, like snip at people's heels to get them going where they're supposed to be like, hey, you need to be connected to these people over here. And that needs to be connected over here. You naturally are networkers because you see people's potentials if they come together. Mm-hmm. That's that's an indicator of, of shepherds. And some I have a good friend who is one and uh, he's nipping at my heels about brass band stuff. And I'm like, bro. You need to back off, <laughs> you know, like calm down. And I just told him, you're just a shepherd dog. And I get it. You see where I, you want me that I think you should, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I freaked him out. Cause he's like, wow, you really get me. <laughs> and I'm not sure how much the, how much, um, a man of faith this friend is. So I just, you know, that sometimes yeah. Holy Spirit lets me speak things that kind of freaks people out, which is kind of fun. Oh, it's fun. Right. So you've got your teachers, your pastors, your evangelist is driven by the question, where are the new babies in the kingdom? Where are the people who are brand new, fresh believers? Um, and if we don't have new babies in the kingdom, what are we doing? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I heard the the question is like, have you seen what God's doing? Mm. You know, that's I feel, I feel like yo gotta hear what God's doing here. You right, to, I feel like you're dry, driven to like connect people to be aware that God exists and He's mm-hmm. like He really cares about you, wants to connect relationally with you. Like, don't you get it? It's so cool. How could you not be excited about this? Right? Evangelists are very driven that way to just really connect people with God, and I think that's like we need you. Right. The the apostle and this is the hardest one for me to really understand. But from what from what I've gathered, um, 
is they're really driven with how is the kingdom of heaven moving in this, our natural space, like the supernatural stuff, how is God's presence here? If God's presence isn't here, we are wasting our time, right? Um, and then the prophet is someone who is very driven by the question, how is God speaking? Mm-hmm. What does he say about what's going on? How is he, how, what does God want this person to know? What he thinks about who they are and what how he's designed them and what his heart is for them. Like he sees them as a whole, but they don't see it. They don't get it. How can we help connect that? And so, um, yeah. And so knowing that that, that is actually the driving question, but then to teach people how to know God speaking to them, right. Through his written word and through wise counsel and through circumstances, those kinds of things like the teaching is an, is a very great connection with that. So that's been a huge paradigm shift for me Mm. in the last three years it's been wild understand that fivefold <laughs> yeah just understanding that the five that there's not three there's five and to understand okay the one that i was never told about is one of my main giftings was you prophet yeah yeah, yeah uh, operating in prophetic things and uh yeah and part of that too is um a part of the prophetic prophetic is to hear but also to speak mm. to speak what they're hearing from the lord and to be obedient um and it's not always fun when God has you speak things because mm. nine times out of 10 people don't want to hear what, what they need to hear. Right. But honestly, most of the time God is not being corrective. He is just assuring you and reassuring you of his love and his care. Like, and being very pointedly like, Hey, I see you. Yeah. I see where you're hurting. Will you let me help you there? Will you let me touch that and make it right? Wow. You know? And uh, if we think of being a, uh, operating in the prophetic as a battering ram to beat people up because we see what they're struggling with, we're doing it wrong. Right. We're totally doing God it wrong. God doesn't want to hit you over the head with a two by four. No. I mean, well, sometimes, sometimes if yeah. we're a stubborn donkey and we're being, you know, no, ridiculous, sometimes it needs to get our attention. Right. Yeah. But that's not the norm. I no. feel like no, no, it's what not. I've seen. It's more he wants to love and encourage. He's a good father. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If that's yeah. his his attributes. Yeah, exactly. So, so church is what kind of started you, connected us, mm. and then it brought you to Goshen mm-hmm. in a way, right? Uh, no, totally is why I'm in Goshen. Yeah, I lived in Warsaw from 2004 to 2021. Yeah. Yeah, the, the summer of 21, right. Um, yeah, it was I was having, I had lunch with my pastor at the time, and well, Kyle had had, had he's been on the podcast before. Yeah, so I, I had I was having lunch with Kyle. Just every about every six months, we try to sit down and just like check in. How are you? What's going on? What's God talking? Like just just you know connect because a lot of times when you're at church or different things are going on, it's like hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? But oh, yeah. we're both busy doing. It's hard to have those sit down conversations. But anyway, so we were having one of those, and um, it just I don't even remember right now what Kyle said, but it was like. Okay, I'm sorry. I was just thinking through the. It was like a week before COVID lockdowns began, um, so this would have been like March 8th of 2020, somewhere in there, roughly. Um, I was I was up early for some reason. I'm normally a sleeper inner. Okay, <laughs> to be up at like 5:30 in the morning, wide awake, and not being able to sleep, not normal. Yeah. <laughs> 
right? So I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, well, maybe Jesus wants to talk, and he did. And I had this vision of this, and it was like so real that I, I could almost touch, like I could, like it felt like I could reach out and touch. There was this wooden door with like wrought iron hinges and a wrought iron handle, and I just, I sensed the Lord saying, I'm going to present you with an opportunity, and I want you to walk through it. And I was like, okay. And so, of course, then, like, immediately after all of this COVID craziness starts unfolding, and it's like, what in the world? Mm. So I'm just sitting with this, like, he's going to present me with an opportunity, and he wants me to walk through it, but he wants me to stay at my house by myself. Like, <laughs> okay. So this was going on for, you know, years. And then spring of 21, I'm having lunch with Kyle, and he's talking about, like, hey, here are some things we really want to start doing with the church and discipleship and young people and, like, plans um, that he wanted me to be a part of what was unfolding. And I'm like, I can't, I'm like, it's a 45 minute drive from my house up here. Like I want to be a part of what you're saying, but I can't do that if I'm 45 minutes away. Logistically. Logistically. It was just like, it's a time management with my full-time job. And I was like, the Lord reminded me of the door. And he's like, this is the moment. And I was like, I think I'm supposed to move to Goshen. Now, mind you, I had just bought a house like four years earlier in Warsaw. Like, I just bought a house. (laughs) You couldn't have clued me in four years ago, like before all of this bananas unfolded, right? No. No, there was ministry that needed to conclude in Warsaw, and that that was where I needed to be for those four years. And, And Kyle's like, yeah, Liz and I already been praying about it. And like, hey, if your house sells faster than what you can buy here, you can just stay with us until that gets figured out. And I was like, I said, you better be serious before I pull the trigger on this. But like, it was one conversation. I'm like, I need to move to Goshen. Hmm. I need to move to Goshen? (laughs) What? Mind you, my job hasn't hasn't changed. And, And quite frankly, I didn't. I didn't want to be in that particular job for 19 years. I didn't yeah. want to be there for one, you know more than one. It's all right now. Like I get along well with with people I work with, but oh my goodness. So here we are. In Goshen. It's been wild, and I'm in Goshen. Who knew? Yeah. And you know, learning all this crazy Holy Spirit stuff. It's been a blast. It's really cool. Yeah. Do you feel like you've grown a lot in the past three years? Oh my word. Yeah. Like not the same person. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, my parents have even commented on it. Like my dad says like your countenance is totally different. Like how you carry yourself, how you speak, you're, you're like, you're just more confident and calm. So that's so cool. It is. And, And there's something to be said for when you, you actually learn how God designed you to work and then you're taught how to do it. Hmm. it's fun. And you're like, so I'm not broken. I'm not messed up. I'm not someone that's constantly being shoved in the corner or shut down. You know, like, do you think the enemy does that (laughs) to make you feel like you're, I mean, when you're walking and you're gifting, Mm. you're just vibing and it's a Mm -hmm. lot of fun, Mm -hmm. you know? And if you're doing that, you're being the most effective and you're having the most fun. Like, of course, the enemy doesn't want you to. Especially if you're operating in your gifting in a place of rest and a place of peace. Hmm. So you're like, you know, it's like 
it's like a little like a little kid like a kindergarten age and dad's carrying them and they're just the arms are flopped back and they're just total dead weight in his arms and they're just having fun they're laughing and just yeah hanging out and totally trusting that dad's got them yeah if you're in that posture with the lord yeah shoot yeah yeah one of my my mentors john um john schwartz what an amazing man We'll talk about him some other time. He's he's something else to unpack. But, you know, he says, you know what it should be like to be a Christian? You know what it really, we, we're doing it wrong, man. He was an art teacher, okay? So he had his own language and everything. But he's yeah. like, it should be like you're sitting on your favorite lawn chair, your favorite Jamaican music in the background. You got the palm trees. You got the breeze. You got the special drink with the umbrella and the little straw. And you're going... <laughs> You know, and everybody else out there who doesn't know Jesus is in the desert baking and crawling and they're going, wait a minute, what's that? Yeah. How do I get that? Yeah. Because honestly, as a believer, we've got the greatest thing, but we act like we've got the worst thing most of the time. Yeah. Oh, it's such a burden. Mm. Got all these rules I have to live by. I can't have fun. Go have fun without me. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that I found, and just listening to your story, mm. is um, I went to an independent fundamental Baptist church. Not mm. we didn't go on Sunday, but I went on Wednesday. And my friends were p- part of that, and uh, I've watched mm. the kids I grew up with and where they're at now. And so I just really want to affirm. Mm. Um, I'm so glad the Holy Spirit, you found the, like that was integrated in you. Because mm. I see a lot of kids who grew up in that church type of church scenario and have just gone so far the other direction because of the rules and the firmness of it. There's good teaching and the word was prevalent there. Mm. It was real. There's truth there. But the structure just rubbed people the wrong way and just sent them completely in a different direction. So it's just really interesting to, I didn't realize that when you were telling me, mm-hmm. I mean, we've hung out and talked multiple I know. times. Yeah. Which is why sometimes I like to share like the context of where I'm coming from. Yeah. So you can kind of understand my oh, growth yeah. pattern. I need to know the first part before we get to part four. Right. Yeah, I need, it needs to be the Christian. I, I tend to be like bouncing all over the place. So if oh, you at least yeah. have at least some of the benchmarkers, then you can make, oh, okay. That yeah. Makes more sense. Right. Right. And so like with like you know, fundamentalist Baptists love Jesus and they love the truth of his word. And that is wonderful. And as long as that love of the truth of God's word is partnered with actual love, you're good. You're golden. Yeah. Holy spirit. I mean, they, they'll repackage the idea of Holy spirit as like being intuitive or, or they'll give Jesus credit for things. Holy spirit's doing which the three are one. So, right. I think the Lord's like, who cares who gets credit? Cause it's me. Right. Right. So that's fine. So I don't want to be in a position where saying, you know, fundamentalist Baptists aren't like they don't love the Lord. They do yeah. deeply. Oh, yeah. Deeply. But if you're raised in a situation where it's like follow the rules or you're going to hell, mm-hmm. people will come to a nihilistic expectation at the end. Well, if I'm going to hell, I may as well have fun while I'm doing it. Right. Kind of conclusion. And that's an unfortunate side effect. If you're too rigid, especially for your artistic, creative personality types. Right. They really struggle with that. Right. So. Yeah, because it's, Mm. they're not that black and white, 
They're, you know, they see the gray purple. and they see all they see all the colors in between and the shading. Forest and, green and right. What was the color of my office? What would you call it? Uh, there was a gold. I call it gold, but you said it was like oh, it's egg yolk yellow. Egg yolk yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they see it egg yolk yellow. You know. Yeah, or it's uh, mustard. It could be mustard, depending on you know, like it's all food colors, of right. course, but. <laughs> Perfect for a kitchen. I mean, right. I was just telling Tim and when he showed me his office earlier today, I'm like, oh, that's the color I had in my kitchen because it was like egg yolk because all the cabinets were bright white and it was just a, a warm, oh yeah, a warm yellow color. So it's friendly and bright mm-hmm. and like when it's cold and gray in the middle of winter, it it's just perfect. helps a person feel like yeah, life isn't all this. terrible. Yeah. We're going to make it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to make it through this. Uh. That's really cool. Cool. What? Um, I have other questions. Oh, that's great. Go Thousands for it. Thousands of questions, of course. What? Um, what do you feel like you're supposed to be doing in Goshen? Uh, you're here now. You walk through. The I floor. am here now. You, it's church related, I think, but I think it's bigger than that. Yeah. I, that's just me. Um. Yeah. So, like ministry related, like I had shared earlier, I was a part of a high school high school youth group in Milford for about eight years, and I was given a lot of freedom like I had a group of girls because I taught in the school district and a lot of these kids would um there were high schoolers that wanted to do additional bible studies like they would they would actually ride the bus to the middle school Hmm. and meet in my classroom and I had permission from my building principal at the time to be doing like hey is it okay if I have an after school bible studies like yeah that's no different than FCA meeting on Tuesday mornings the kids are voluntary and as long as the parents are cool you're good cool so that that started with like two or three girls and grew to almost a dozen wow. that met with me. And then um, that transitioned for me to some young ladies that transitioned to college but wanted to continue discipleship with me. And one young lady in particular was um, attending Grace College. And I was at the time, this was before I bought my house, my apartment was within walking distance of Grace College mm-hmm. campus in, in Winona Lake. And so, like, she would come over all the time. She's drinking all my coffee. Next thing I know, she's bringing her friends. Hmm. And so I was doing like the Wednesday night youth groups, Thursday night high school Bible study, and then I had Friday nights. We were making homemade pizza, and my house was full of 20, you know, late teenager, college-age kids. And eventually that got to be too much, and the Lord said, hey, they've got plenty of people helping out with the high school. I need you to phase that out hmm. and take on fill in the gap. And there's this gap. Even if you go to a Christian campus, there's this gap of adults that are available to invest. Because that's the age when they really start asking the big questions like, do I really believe in this Jesus? Do I really want to make this faith in him like a wholehearted part of my life? And if the answer is yes, how do I do it? Where do I even start? And so I was there to kind of help navigate a lot of that. And so that was another seven to eight years of collegiate level. And so the reason God had me by that house was like my last group of young ladies that were coming through, you know, I was able to kind of finish out with them. And literally when I had that lunch with Kyle, my last three girls from my college ministry, there were no new ones coming in because of all the COVID stuff. Excuse me. Um, they were graduating like three days later. So like that ministry was literally done in a few days. Wow. And like, oh, I'm supposed to move to Goshen. Oh, well, the thing about the movement, though, was the fact that there was this huge number of 20 somethings. Mm-hmm. They were no, you know, young adults, professionals, not in college that needed someone like myself to just be 
a spiritual auntie or a spiritual mama mm-hmm. to them. And like there was like in that 45 minute commute was just crappy for everybody. Right. Yeah. And so it was like, I saw there was a need for what I had to offer here. And it's so interesting because I started with high schoolers and then that transitioned to college age. And now it's twenties into like I have a 30 and a 34 year old now. So like twenties to young thirties, it's almost like, the Lord has had me go with a generation hmm. and I've just gone with them. That's really cool. It's been very cool. Um, and because of my work in the school system, like I can speak their language. I, I understand where they're coming from. I understand yeah. like the social pressures and the, because I live it every day too. Yeah. You know, so even though I'm older than they are and not by a huge amount, but so that's been a, a part of why I'm in Goshen has been that to partner with, and so as our church has merged and now we're mission 72 and, um, there's just been a lot of young people and now, you know, the, so the Thursday Bible study that's been going on literally since 2005 is still a thing. <laughs> and some people are still coming that have been coming since the early 2000s, like or late 2000s. And it's funny because I'm like, don't you get tired of me talking? <laughs> like, apparently not, but there's community there. It's family oriented. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just been crazy. Just so that's a part of it, but the Lord is raising up some new things. I'm not sure how much I have permission to talk about, but yeah. um at this point the Lord is raising up what I know in the scriptures and developing that um to be packaged where people besides who just meet with me on a on a Thursday Bible study could learn and have access to You're that. working on the biblical score sheets. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. So there's literally... You're not at your dissertation yet, but you're getting close. Not a dissertation yet. <laughs> Interesting that you say that, because that's actually something I've prayed about for a long time, um, is whether or not to get a doctorate. For me, honestly, it's like, it's like the baptism thing. Like, I know I could do it, but why? Yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to have Jesus a really clear Jesus why. Like, you need to get it, and here's why. Oh, okay. Like, I'm not afraid to do it. I'm not opposed to it, but like... If it's just for the like the dr in front of my first name, like not worth no, it. No. Yeah. What's Kyle say? Once you get a title, you become entitled. Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah no, no, no. So yeah, so I'm um, you know, twenty years of Bible curriculum development. Yeah. So there's like a major homework assignment right now that I'm working on that, mm-hmm. and that's taking a lot of my time. But it's fun for me. That's not that's not a chore. I enjoy it. Yeah. You know. So yeah, when you're walking in your giftings, yeah, like, yeah, it's oh. fun. Yeah, it is. It's like, yeah, I had to have a couple of days to just recover from the school year because it's it's a lot, especially when hormonal teenagers are looking at summer break coming at you and you still oh, have concerts yeah. to prepare. Oh, mama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. It's like trying to be a dog walker with, you know, like 60 dogs all on leashes and you're the only human being with the leashes in yeah. your hands and yeah. they're all, all wanting to go barking yeah. and running everywhere. So it's like, okay. Yeah. So I have to recover from that. But, you know, the Lord's kind of unlocking my brain to start thinking in that direction again. And that's... That's cool. So when it starts doing that, it's hard for me not to spend four and five hours at a go just... Yeah, falling down the ra- yeah. rabbit the rabbit trails it's great but yeah but it's yeah. pulling together all of these because for me studying the scriptures is like studying a symphonic score it's mm-hmm. just it's like music to me so anyway which is probably part of the reason I don't listen to a lot of music because I find it clutters my thinking mm-hmm. to actually do the other things that I, I think are fun so 
as weird as that may sound to some people. No, that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. It is wild. So, yeah. So, and I think some of the reasons I'm in Goshen, God hasn't let me know what those are yet. Hmm. I think some of that is still hidden for now, or just it isn't time to know. So, like, I've been acclimating to my community mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, things have been shifting and I've just been, sometimes I s- kind of stand and go, okay, things are not unfolding like I expected they would, which is not bad, but yeah. it's just taking like, okay. So what's the, what's actually going on here? Right. And work really hard to be just open handed. Okay, God, what you got me here. Now, the reason you got me here was probably different than I thought and that's okay, but clue me in would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little download wouldn't be bad. Yeah. What's something that's been interesting that you weren't expecting when you came to Goshen? Like, you know, you've visited, you would come to church here, but now that you live here, what's something you're like, oh, I didn't even expect that. It doesn't have to be spiritual. It doesn't have to, but just whatever. I think just the culture is very different than Warsaw, even though they're not, they're spread apart and they've got kind of similar demographics. The culture of Goshen is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not even sure if I could even articulate what that difference is. I mean, you know exactly you've, what you're talking about, it's, the vibe is very different. Mm-hmm. Warsaw feels more uptight mm-hmm. would be one thing. Goshen feels a lot more relaxed in some ways. Um, I'm really enjoying how vibrant the Hispanic culture is here. Uh, yeah, I'm just like the neighborhood I'm in, you know, I, I bought my house in February. Okay. So, you know, you don't really get a feel for, you know, the fact that when it starts warming up, you've got kids riding their bikes and, you know, you've got mariachi music playing mm-hmm. really loudly and, you know, people walking up and down the streets and, you know, just, and the, like all the neighbors on my particular street all know each other. They're all in and out of each other's homes. I mean, it's like, that's awesome. It's really cool. And that's the kind of neighborhood I've always wanted to be in. Like the neighborhood I was in, it was like the guy's mowing his lawn and I like wave at him and he's just like pretends I didn't even like yeah, acknowledge. Alive. Yeah. Yeah. Within five minutes of living on the street I'm at now, like I knew the first names of everybody in the on the street. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, and my schedule's been goofy, so I haven't been able to really connect a lot. But I'm hoping this summer, because I'm not traveling as much, that I can be more present and just yeah. be around and interact and spend time. Spend time. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm not entirely sure why I'm in Goshen, but just the community God has dropped me into has been phenomenal. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking earlier today about just the importance of community. You know, and that's, yeah. There's something to that. Huge. God designed us to be in community. Yeah. And even people who don't necessarily pursue God uh, much, if at all, hunger for community with other people. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where it's at. That's the kind of the hook for people. If they, they feel they belong, they feel that they're seen and understood and, and cared about. And like, hey, you weren't here and I missed you. It fills you up. Oh, man. Like, wait, you need me around? Like, what, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and I find too, with, especially working with young people, when you get the screens turned off and you have that relational time with them, that's, they just soak that in like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, let me ask you this question uh, over here, just picking your brain. Yeah, sure. Go for it. We knew we would be going uh, off-roading on yeah. RTVs tonight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, or ATVs. 
all terrain. Yeah. Or just TVs. We just be on the TV. Uh. We're just we're just vision casting. Over here, so. <laughs> okay. Lay it uh, on me, man. Uh, like so, someone who hasn't in, interact with the Holy Spirit. Like, what mm. is something that you would say? Um, like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that. What's mm. a way to to start walking down that path? Like, like maybe. Mm. And it's going to be different for everyone. Oh, right? for sure. But what was something? Sure. What was something you would say to someone who may be interested and wants to kind of know, know a little bit more? What's the first good step? Hmm. Figure out how to get quiet. Hmm. And I think for some of you listening, that's probably the scariest thing you've ever heard in your life. Mm-hmm. No music, no screens, no people. And we're not talking for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, one of the things that actually got me through COVID, being isolated so badly without being traumatized by it, was um, a technique that I learned from my friend Cindy. Um, there's several different names for it. Um, I, I, just, I just call it like getting centered in peace. And so, um, and it's not a new agey thing, although it's a technique that people who follow Eastern mysticism can use, but they stole it from Jesus first, mm-hmm. okay? And so it's just very simple, because the Lord says, just be still and know that I am God. Now, this is not an academic knowing. The actual Hebrew word there, sorry to get a little technical on you. The actual Hebrew word there is the knowing between a husband and a wife, intimate. Mm-hmm. Be still and be intimate with me. Know me. Let me know you. And so, what? A, and I, this is a technique that I practice on the regular. And at school, like, sometimes I have to do this twice a day just so I don't lose my crap with the kids. Okay? And it's as simple as um, turning everything off. I even put my phone on Do Not Disturb, and I set a timer for 20 minutes, just 20 minutes. Um, excuse me. And I sometimes I need longer than that, but it's just simply being quiet. And I like to describe it like, you know how if you're driving down the road and you've got, you know, like what rain droplets on your windscreen, you know, like your, your windshield, and you just need to take a, a windshield wiper and right? Mm-hmm. So you just let whatever thoughts come to mind. And this is not being like, this is not emptying your mind. This is just quieting your mind. That's a very different thing. And so just allow whatever thoughts like, you know, your shopping list and I got to do this and I got to do that. And I've got this thing to do and blah, 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 blah. Because your brain, once you sit and try to be quiet, your brain freaks out, goes hyper. Yeah. And women actually experience this more than men do. They've done scientific studies on this. Like their brains just light up and it takes... 10 to 15 minutes for that brain to calm down. Like, no, no, actually we're just, just say, I can worry about that later. And so as I get a lot of thoughts jumbling, I just, in my head, I just kind of picture like, you know, the windshield wiper wiping those droplets. And I just say, I just, Lord, I just give those thoughts to you. Hmm. Just boom. And say, God, I just want to be with you right now. And so you don't have to worry about if your brain is super hyperactive because it will be initially. And this is something, the more you practice it, the easier it gets to get your brain to be quiet because your brain's like, oh, we're doing this now. Yeah. Um, there have been times when it took 17 out of the 20 minutes for my brain to just stop being crazy. Hmm. But what you find is you get to this place of just being still. And you can just breathe and you can feel your heart beating and you don't have to, you can just give yourself permission to take a 20 minute vacation from everything. Hmm. 
And that's where you find the ability to just be in a space of peace, saying, you know what, God, I just trust you to take care of things. And just give him permission to speak however he wants. Right? But if we're not, and this is where I started earlier, like prayer is often us doing all the talking. Mm -hmm. When in fact, the creator of the universe has a lot to say. And it's usually really helpful. Yeah. (laughs) Like, did you know I love you a lot? Hey, you going to let me help you get through today? Can I just be your strength today? Yeah. <laughs> can be, and it doesn't have to be emotional, but sometimes it is. And that's okay. But I think we have such a noisy culture, visually and auditorily, that that just taking 20 minutes to give yourself permission to take a vacation there are days at school when I know it's going to be a long and hard day and I will get into the building, lock my office door and do my 20 minutes before I even go into the halls with the kids. Mm-hmm. And there are days when I need to do that before school starts. And also instead of eating lunch, I do that instead because it's like, oh, Lord, I need you to get me through this so that I can be loving and caring and kind and meet the kids where they're at. And that's not always easy as a human being. Yeah. So, so it starts with just, centering and just being allowing your brain to have permission to calm down because then we're primed to hear now god can speak through all of our senses yeah you know and it's for me it doesn't always register as like this loud you know auditory thing that's very rare i think for any human being for the lord to speak auditorily like your natural ears hear that but that goes back to that imagination space like you know most people, okay, can you hear a song in your head? Like the lyrics are driving you crazy. Like you can hear songs in your head without actually hearing it with your ears. Right. That's the space where God speaks. Hmm. Can you picture in your head like your favorite outfit that you want to wear? Yeah. If I say elephant, yeah. everyone just thought of an elephant. Right. You can, And you can probably even imagine what the, you can like, smell the smell. Yeah. Right. Or your your mom's favorite dish that she makes or your favorite apple pie, apple right. pie. Right. Like we can pick up those smells, sights, sounds, feelings in that space. Mm-hmm. And so as you get yourself quiet, you start picking up on like, oh, yeah. And so, yeah. So people a lot of most times it's like remembering Bible verses or worship songs or even just songs that aren't even worship, but like. God can bring that to memory to kind of tell you something. So that's one of the ways to know. And just know God is never going to tell you to do something that's going to hurt somebody else or, you know, like the obvious yeah. things. So you're like, what if I'm making it up? Well, what if you're not? Right. One of the things that I, when I was first learning how to discern if I was hearing God or not, was I had, a, my handwriting is absolutely terrible. It's chicken scratch and I'll write things down and I can't even read my own handwriting later. So one of the things I got to doing was um, after I got quiet, I would have my laptop open just on a, just a document and I'd just start typing what I thought I was hearing. And if I thought, if I was thinking, okay, maybe this is God or not, if it's God, I think, then I'll put it in italics and I'll just keep typing, typing. And if it's if it's me like t- responding and talking back, like I would just do normal font. And then I could save that, put a date on it, even a title on it, and put it to the side. And I could sleep on it, come back to it later, and read. And sometimes like, oh uh, yeah, that was totally me. <laughs> That's totally me. But other times it's like, no wait, that was 
that was actually the Lord. And so for me, that was a way to practice hearing in a way that's safe. Like I didn't share those journals with anybody. Yeah, it's just you. Right. So it's a way to practice hearing. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the other sight, like sight and smell. I have a friend, I told her like, you can have spiritual discernment through smell, like God talks through smell. And she's like, this is a woman who has known me since the very beginning of living in Indiana. So she's known me a really long time. And, you know, and she, we have a lot of trust and love, but she's like, my friend's lost her marbles. Like what in the world? And then she told me a story later. She's like, she, she has a job where she works really early in the morning and she had just sent her kids off to school. Her son's in high school and she got to, she got to her job and she's the first one there. And it, it's, it's a coffee shop and she, she got there and she's like, it smells like somebody puked. Like there smells, she smelled vomit. And she's like, what in the world? Did somebody not like take care of the trash or leave a mess and didn't clean it up last night? She was kind of honked off. She scoured like every, like looked everywhere. Could not find anything. It's like maybe there was some garbage that went bad. And she was like checking behind refrigerators and could not find anything. And then her phone rings. It's her son. Mom, I just threw up at school. The nurse has to send me home. I'm sorry. She's like... <laughs> are you wow. kidding me yeah and like he had been fine when she took him to school to drop him off and so and this is hap- not just that smell but that kind of experience has happened more than once with her where she like she she's woken up with various smells and it's like what in the world so god god can be very creative in how he speaks with you and he likes to have fun yeah wait sorry He's not always serious and stern, friends. He's not. He's not an angry fella. No. He is joyful. And he he can be kind of (laughs) ornery. So, yeah. So the smell is one thing. Feelings is another thing. Not just your emotions, which that's a thing, but like sensory things too. Um, For me, visually, I see things. Um, yeah, both, both sides of the kingdom, both the light and the dark side of things I've, I've been yeah, known we to talking see. talking a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. It's one thing that I think I've been noticing a little bit recently is, um, I've never seen angelic or demonic, mm. but I think sometimes I see the, like the stirring of it. Mm. You know, like I can see it on someone going, I want, there's something a little off there. Mm. And then through other people or other ways I find out that oh yeah there's some demonic act. like uh, for instance I saw this uh, kid and just the way that he was moving <clears throat> I'm like something's off and then I found out that his mom um, uh, worships Baphomet ah right mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> I mean the kid the kid's not worship. it's just the environment he's in right and it's affecting him. <clears throat> it is affecting him. And I don't think he is. There's probably just stuff. There's crap there. that. Mm. But just from initial, I was over here and I saw that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. There's just, I felt the sense that something was off. And it's not that the kid was bad or wrong. Or, or even doing anything wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. You can just kind of mm. sense something. Yeah, and some people can just sense like there's a weird vibe. Yeah. Like something feels off, but you may not know why. Or something feels really awesome and like, well, that's interesting. It, it's just, honestly, it's just about paying attention. Yeah. And then running it by God like, hey, are you trying to tell me something here? And just conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Do you physically see things though? I mean, like, yeah. like uh, spiritual things? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. I mean, I, yes. 
Yeah. And you don't have to go into it too much. Well, I, okay. So there's a recent story just, just from, just so you can know kind of how I experience things. Um, just this past Sunday, I was at church with some friends. Um, and <laughs> like I said, Jesus can be kind of funny. So we're, I was just worshiping and enjoying the worship songs and whatever. And I saw this massive. Okay. So for me, like, okay, one of the things I like to explain to people um, is that there are kind of levels to how clearly I see things. Mm. So like in the imagination space, like my mind's eye, I can like look in a general direction and in my mind's eye, I can see what it looks like in that space. But like my natural eyeballs, it just looks normal. So it's kind of like natural and supernatural kind of over, the supernatural is kind of overlaid over top of it. So that's what I experienced the most of like the vast majority of the times of the kinds of things I'll experience. But, um, there are times when it'll be the clarity of like a reflection in the glass or like a hologram level of clarity. Um, but it can be as clear as it's physical has this physical substance just as much as you or I, like if you reach out to touch the top of a table, you could reach out and touch that there's something physically there and physically feel that I've only experienced that once for sure in my life, maybe twice, but that's not a normal thing. Um, like I said, but mo most of the time it's like, I have a sense that something's there and in my mind's eye, I can see what it is. Mm. So we're worshiping and it's great. The music's really good. And I see this massive lion's head, like detailed, looks real. Um, but it's mostly in my mind's eye lion's face. And it was a friendly lion's, but it's huge. Like, 15 or 20 feet tall, huge. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, the lion of Judah, right? So I'm like, hey, Jesus, you know. And this lion breathed on me, like, and then gave me this big, like, lick. And I was like, what in the world? Now, I didn't physically feel, but like, I, I, it's about as close to physically feeling it as you could get. And I was like, okay. And then my friend next to me started like tapping me on the arm. Did you see that? Did you see that? I said, see what? She's like the late, there was a lady there with big white flags that she was just like, at, when, when I started seeing this lion, she was like way over in another part of the room. She's like, there is a lady with the flags. She was like waving her flags all over, like over the top of you. It's like, did you notice that? And I was like, no, I didn't even know this lady who was like, three feet from me waving white flags. I didn't even physically see her or even know she was there because wow. this lion thing, oh. which was really cool. And <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, I mean, I don't know if I was in a trance or anything. I mean, I, I must've been partially like, cause I was totally unaware of my physical surroundings until my friend touched my arm and like, kind of came back to like, Oh, what's going on here? Yeah. I don't know. Like I wasn't like sitting and humming and trying to work myself into a trance state. I was just singing a song and see this lion. And next thing I know, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't, I want to be very clear. Like I don't seek experiences and I don't like look for looking for things like yeah. that's just, it's unwise to do that. I think yeah. you probably open yourself up. Yeah. 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 Yes. It, the the important thing is just pursue the Lord. Yeah. Just pursue Him. Because mm -hmm. that's the best thing ever. Yeah. And, you know, when you invite the kingdom of heaven to move in your life, expect the kingdom of heaven to show up. And it's just, it, it may rock and rattle and shake things, but it's cool. Yeah. 
you know? So, yeah. So and it was interesting. We were having conversation because I was, I just spent several days with some friends of mine who are missionaries in Uganda and Kenya for like 18 years. And the stories they could tell you of things they've experienced, like, oh man. Because witchcraft and witch doctors is a very real thing. Like if yeah. a person has an ailment, they'll go to the witch doctor and pay for demonic seancey witchcrafty things to fix their sickness. Mm. Spells and Right. Yeah. I mean, and you run into that in Haiti and the Dominican, more so Haiti. But I mean, third world countries, that is not an unusual thing. And so spiritual warfare is really very real. Um, and so we're having conver- all that to say we're having conversation about angelic things we've experienced and just swapping fun stories. And, um, like, uh, my friend's mother, she's like, yeah, I have a feather from an angel that's like in my Bible that like a real feather that wasn't there. And then all of a sudden it was there hmm. at a worship service she had years ago. She still has it. I'm like, you know, I don't think I've ever seen an angel. I, I don't have any angel feathers and I see them. Pretty frequently. I mean, not like every single day or anything, but then my friend was like, well, have you ever seen an angel that has feathers? And I went, Hmm. huh, actually, no. She says, well, that's probably why. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if she's right, but it's like, okay, I'm like, Jesus, I'm not asking for feathers. It's fine. Like, but it's just funny. We're just kind of, you know, swapping stories and it's. I think one of the biggest blessings from being a part of the church community here in Goshen has just been a, being around like-minded people. Yeah. Yeah. And just being given so much freedom and space to learn. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. So. You don't have to know it. No. Well, all right. I got one more question for you. All right. We'll wrap it up. Okay. okay. And this is a little, we're already in fun territory, so. Sure. What, what do you think this alien stuff is? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you had Just, to go there uh, yeah. no 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 it's good I, I'm, yeah. I'm interested I'm really curious because I'm hearing all these different thoughts mm. from a lot of different people and I'd love to th- hear what mm. you think well there's a curious scripture that says that when the Lord removes the body of Christ the rapture mm. that there's going to be a great deception that if it was possible to fool believers, it would. So I'm going to kind of toss a question back to you because this is my teaching style is rabbi style. So like rabbi style is like, you ask the rabbi, hey, rabbi, what time is it? And the rabbi's like, what do I look like? A watch? <laughs> so like responding a question with a question. And so um, you ask about alien stuff. Um, now my brain just went. Err. OK, the Lord must not want me to go that direction. Hold on. Yeah, the great deception. Ah. If you were the enemy and you knew the king of heaven is going to take all spirit-filled believers off the planet in an instant, how would you prepare a world to frame that in a way that would have nothing to do with God? You would... uh bring in these creatures who fly in out of nowhere and just suck everyone up, right? How would you explain what happened? Yeah. Yeah, extraterrestrial beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's part of the setup. Mm-hmm. It's part of the enemy's plans to explain why spirit-filled believers are taken out. Because you can be a person who goes to church and sits in the pews and knows all the best Bible verses, but if you have not said yes to Jesus and have entered into a relationship with him, sorry, a little soapbox here. Mm-hmm. 
and you're not in relationship covenant with the creator of heaven, to know about him is not enough. Satan knows all the Bible verses and knows about him, and it's not enough. The demons know Jesus was a believer and called him that, and it's not enough. To know is not enough. To be in relationship is necessary. And so those who are in relationship with the Lord are the ones that are going to be removed. And unfortunately, I think they're going to be people who will find themselves still attending church and not having a frame of reference of why some people were taken and some weren't. Hmm. Because to know about it is not enough. And you got to have context for it. And the scriptures have all kinds of explanations. Like there's going to be really wild, crazy, demonic beings like body of a horse, tail of a scorpion, face of a man, teeth of a lion, golden hair, creatures that are like whacked out locusts. Weird. I mean, stuff that you see like in ancient Babylonian, Sumerian, Egyptian like some of these bizarre crossbreed animals, like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Well, what would you do if there was legitimately those kinds of creatures around you? Just vibe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So the, the alien stuff, I think honestly has to do with the enemy's plans. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's demonic activity mostly. Although some of it could be angelic from the, the, the Lord side of things too. Just, that's my take anyway. Yeah. You don't have to agree with me. That's fine. Yeah, no, I I kind of fall in that camp. Um, but I think there's, it's just interesting. Some of the stuff that I've been looking into with the aliens um, is the, there's a physical piece of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at some, I mean, and then I don't know how much I believe of the stories that are out there. Mm-hmm. But the stories that, you know, the a crash happens, mm-hmm. they remove the pieces of the vehicle, which that makes sense. But then there's bodies mm-hmm. of small figures. Right. You've got the physical. different kinds. You've got reptilian. You've got the gray, short little green men. Yeah. You've got the, like, looks like Aryan, tall, blonde hair, blue eyed. Yeah. And the I think chins and, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I mean. What's the point of all of that? Yeah. Is that, and I demonic but when i think demonic i'm thinking in the spiritual realm i'm not thinking mm-hmm. physical mm. and so that's where well I'm trying to... see here's the thing a lot of people think of the okay you've got the spiritual realm you've got the physical realm and they are totally separated from each other yeah but they're not no they're they're not yeah. they're multi-dimensional beings that can be phasing and out of our dimension hmm. yeah. yeah they have we know angels have physical bodies yeah that's true if you have feathers from Right, that's a physical piece. Right, or you know, in scripture you have angels showing up and physically, you know, interacting with other human beings like a real person and having meals. Like Jesus says, you can interact with physical angels and have no idea that's actually going on. Hmm. That's why it's important to be hospitable to anybody you meet because you just never know. Right, you're actually interacting with. Right. Hmm. It's yeah. Don't be a dualist. Okay. Yeah. The dualist says the that the mind. spirit realm is the spirit realm and the physical realm is the physical realm and they don't cross over. In fact, they're very intertwined. They bleed through. That's why like when I when I can see things as the Lord allows, you know, sometimes it looks like a, like the clarity of a hologram. Um James Gall, who is a really excellent biblically based believer who who's 
very gifted. A lot of his teaching is really solid. I can really recommend his teaching. Um, he's still writing books today, but he talked about, okay, so if you love Jesus and you've got the Holy Spirit's presence living within you, imagine looking at a space physically with your eyeballs, right? But the Holy Spirit is looking out through your eyes and showing you superimposed on top of it the spiritual reality that's in the same space. Hmm. And that's why there's the, the difference of clarity of what you're seeing. But it doesn't make it any less real. It's just one is superimposed on top of the other so you can see them. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful. I hope that's helpful to oh. our listeners. And yeah, all yeah. the crazy things. I am by no means an expert. Please hear me on that. Yeah. Just no, I know. happy I'm to share what I'm Over I, here uh, asking you questions on opinions of things. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's found in the second book of hope. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) That one's not written yet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still working on the outline for the first (laughs) one. It's been good. Just thank you for coming on. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for asking. Yeah. This is great. This is great. Yeah. Uh, Long time coming. Yes. This is so solid. Yes. And friends, if you've made it this long into our talk, thanks for being here. Yeah. Shouts yeah. out to you guys. Yeah, shouts um, out. Usually I ask, uh, you know, as we wrap up, is there a place that people can find you if they want to get a hold of you or something you want to promote? This is just a time for you to allow. Nothing to promote at the moment. Okay. Um, I, well, actually I am on, I mean, I'm on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can probably give the link to that. If you want to send me a, pri- a private message, if you do send me a private message, tell me who you are. Um, yeah. cause you know, we get some wacky stuff. Yeah. Um, there's also my dad and I, actually both of my parents and I, we do lead tours, educational tours to Israel. Mm. We've got a tour coming up, um, in the spring, like spring of 24. We're going to be in Israel on Easter. Oh. We're going to be in Jerusalem on Easter and it's going to be wild. It's going to be good. Um, the, the theme for our tour this spring is going to be tracing the ancient paths. Um, we're going to, most of the time when you go in the land, you go North and do all the Jesus circle around the sea of Galilee right away. And if you have time, you hit other things, but we're hitting the land and going South and Mm. starting with Abraham and then Moses and going through the desert. And yeah, so we're going to be starting with like, why was the old Testament necessary before Jesus showed up and kind of laying the groundwork for that. So, um, if you're a Jesus nerd and want to know about that kind of stuff, check out on Facebook, it's called Bechtel biblical scholar tours. Mm-hmm. I can even give Tim in the link. He can post it on the podcast. I'd be happy need to. to do that. Yeah. Um, it'll be in the show out. notes below. It'll... Yeah. We've got open spots for anybody that wants to go and learn. Yeah. Um, we hit three to four sites a day, um, with like 90 minutes of learning at each site. So, I mean, it's not a vacation, but it's an investment in your understanding of the word. Yeah. And, but the guide we go with, um, is also Holy Spirit filled as, as well as I am. And so there's also that component. So you're, you're getting heavy revies in scripture, but you're also getting heavy revies with the spirit at the same time. And it's, That's awesome. yeah, it's both. I find, I love John Wimber. He's the guy that st- helped start the Vineyard movement mm. back in the '70s as part of that whole Jesus Revolution stuff. That that movie was out recently, and he. Um, I know we're trying to wrap it up, and here no, I'm still talking. No, take your time. Do your thing. So, um, John Wimber talked about. I read his autobiography, and he talks about his goal in life was to be the radical middle. Mm be the radical middle because you have so many churches that are camping in well you got to know the word and then the other camp is like but you got to be you got to work in the spirit mm-hmm. but you got to know the word yeah but you got to work in the spirit and he's like 
yeah, it's both, y'all. Mm-hmm. Put it together. Right? So yeah. being his goal was to always operate in the radical middle of knowing the truth of God's word, but also be radically filled with Holy Spirit and like help usher in the kingdom of heaven so people know God is real. It's not just an academic exercise here, yeah. right? Yeah. It's to touch people's lives and to touch their hearts and to watch them change and to be transformed. So, yeah, so we, we aim to be in the radical middle on our, on our tour. So even though it's, there's a lot of scholarship involved, um, you don't have to be like a hardcore Bible scholar to, before you go, we, we actually do several classes, like three classes that kind of help lay the groundwork for you about where we're going. So you can kind of have at least a baseline. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you get there, you're not completely overwhelmed. Yeah. Now you may just step on the land and just be overwhelmed. Like I am standing where Jesus was standing. And there is a real thing to that. But also there's this component of just taking in and when you're reading Bible verses where they happen and when you come home and you read those Bible verses again, you smell the smells and you remember what it feels like. Mm. And you remember feeling jet lagged, but you know, the, the fig that you had, um, for dessert with your lunch, you know, you just like the flavors and the smells and the feels are all attached to all of that. So, Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, Bechtel, Biblical Bible, Bible Scholars Bible. Tours. I know. Sorry, we we should come up with a shorter name, but okay. at the time when we made it, it was like okay, <laughs> we weren't sure we we're going to do more than one tour. So, because um, my dad was retiring from being a Bible, because he he eventually shifted from music to being full time <laughs> teaching Bible, because that's his love. So who would have guessed? Yeah. So like I'm I said, good. I'll I'll make sure for those of you who are listening that I give the actual link to that Facebook. Yeah page and there's um there's a there'll be a link i can even give you the link to the actual tour so you can check out the itinerary and deadlines i think we have until december for people to sign up very cool so yeah we're going in uh the last week of march first week of april oh that's awesome 2024 yeah oh so So i'm excited yeah Yeah. give me 10 minutes i can pack my bag and be ready to roll yeah (laughs) Awesome. Just got to make sure you have, you know, enough clean clothes and you're all set. A couple of pairs of underwear and you're going to... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm asking some Tylenol PM for the flight and you're, go- you're really? golden. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Shoot. I'll teach you all my hacks too. That One of the classes we teach is how to, how to pack for international travel. Um, several people who've gone on our tours in the past have... Um, they've never been out of the country before. Oh, They've yeah. never been on an international flight and so they were all worried. But... It, We'll teach you all the tricks. Yeah, It'll be good. It's pretty easy. Yeah. It's, it's not, not too hard. It's not too hard. Yeah. You're going with a good group of people, too. And yeah. 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 And, you, you know, there's going to be at least three people who've been to the land many times before, so we'll mm-hmm. help walk you through everything so you don't have to worry. Oh, it's awesome. And, yes, it's safe. Yeah. It is. You know, 85% of the country's economy is from tourism. Everybody behaves when it's tourism season. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, there's... You've never heard, there's only one story in 30 years that I've ever heard of a tourist getting harmed. And that's because they were dumb enough to go down to the Gaza Strip where all the, all the terrorists live. Yeah. Like, that'd be like a, a white, white female going to inner city Chicago and walking down the street at two in the morning. Yeah. Like. You're asking for it. You're just asking for trouble if you do that. So, you know, you know the areas to stay away from. Yeah. 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 We're on archaeological digs, for goodness sake, it's safe. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing crazy going on there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, very cool. Cool. Well, I'll link those. Hope, thank you so much for coming on. Sure, it was my yeah, This was a blast. Yeah. 
Uh, we did almost two hours. What? Yeah. Wow. Well, if people stayed this long, man, well, they yeah. got a lot. <laughs> yeah. If you stayed this long, then go sign up for the tour. I mean, right? Yeah, Let's on. go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so cool. much. We'll see you guys on the next uh, Timmins podcast. All right. Peace. Peace.